episode 761. The mantra for the Green Bay Packers went from run the table to ran out of gas on Sunday, losing the NFC Championship game to the Atlanta Falcons. To find out what went wrong, we asked Matt Pauley of 620 WTMJ in Milwaukee. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans. Welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, the longest-tenured Packers podcast on the internet you're listening to, and we're talking about the NFC Championship game lost to the Atlanta Falcons. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're talking to Matt Pauley of 620 WTMJ, the flagship station for the Packers Radio Network. He's also an anchor for SB Nation Radio. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Good morning. How are you? Very good. I I, I suppose I could be a lot better had the Packers won today, but... uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a dull day for Packers fans. We'll try not to take out our anger on you, but we do want to discuss this game. Matt, the Packers defense couldn't stop the Falcons on Sunday, but can we pinpoint one problem? There were issues in the secondary with the pass rush and missed tackles. What what was the biggest problem? Yeah, you know, th- those were all issues, and I think, uh, the, the, really, I know you want one. I'm going to give you two. The, the big things for me were, A, uh, the secondary just could not hang with the receivers for the Falcons, and there was no pass rush. And I think over the, you know, as the team was going through their run the table period, uh, there were times where the receivers were better than the Packers defensive backs, but the Packers were getting pressure on the quarterback so that, so the, you know, the secondary didn't have to defend quite as long. Yesterday, that didn't happen. So it was just, it was an avalanche of issues yesterday for the Packers because they could not stop that pass game of the Falcons. So how much do you fault a player like cornerback Ladarius Gunter, young guy, second year in the league, who obviously had a difficult task being asked to cover Julio Jones? Yeah, I like you can't coach speed. That's that's the thing. You gotta have a, a really fast guy to cover Jones. And it, it, not only does he have to be fast, he has to be a, a skilled, you know, defensive cornerback, but I, it's not so much blame for Gunter, it's, it's sympathy for, for Gunter because he's put into a situation where he just doesn't have the physical tools and he's never going to have the physical tools. Maybe as he gets a little bit older, you know, there's going to be some, some small things that he does as he becomes a more savvy quarterback. But, uh, I, I don't, I don't throw a lot of blame on Gunter and I'm not trying to make excuses for the Packers. Uh, with the injury stuff, but you know they, they miss shields. They they miss a lot of guys defensively, and they're again. I'm, I'm going to go back to what I said a moment ago. It's, it's quickness. I, I, of every game this year, I've watched with the Packers. That was the game where there was the the largest difference in terms of speed from the opponent's offense versus the Packers defense. Yeah, I saw a common theme on social media during the game about how much the Packers missed a guy like Sam Shields uh, when you saw what happened to them on Sunday. Uh, but, but Matt, as you watch players like Gunter and Marwin Evans drop interceptions and Jake Ryan fail to corral a fumble, do you think that's just bad luck or, or do you fault the players for not coming up with these turnovers when given their chances? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's some culpability for not coming up with those plays, but at, at, all in the same way, during as, as this team went on its run to go from being four and six to being division champions, they were making those plays. So I just I I have a hard time. You know, people people want to blame yesterday's game on one guy, one play, one this, one that. Oh, we would have come up with a couple turnovers. Like the Falcons were just a better team. So would it, would have it been nice for those interceptions to come up? Would it have been nice to for for Ryan to get that fumble? Obviously, yes. But would have would have any of those plays or even all of those plays turned fortunes around and made the Packers win that game? I don't think so. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, when you lose forty-four to twenty-one, that's that's a fair question to ask. Should, but maybe on top of it here, should there be any blaming the officials for that poor spot of the football on the first down conversion in the first quarter that wasn't even reviewed and maybe should have been? Yeah, you know what? That that's a great point, and quite honestly, that's something that that not a whole lot of people are talking about. You know, I did a um, I did a post game show last night on on WTMJ. And, I took a ton of phone calls, and that was something that wasn't even wasn't even brought up. So, was that an issue? Should should the officials done a better job? Should have you know should, should people made sure that that thing got reviewed? Um, yes, it, obviously. But uh, again, I'll go back to what I said before. We can we can look at a whole lot of things that that helped the Packers not have a very good game yesterday, and you know the. The officials might not have been perfect, but the Packers were a whole lot less perfect than these. We're talking to Matt Pauley of 620 WTMJ and SB Nation Radio here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Matt, maybe the defense was the worst unit, but how much blame does the offense get? You know, they scored 30-plus points in each of the previous six games, but only scored 21 on Sunday and zero at halftime. Yeah, you know, that's... the. Everybody likes looking at the fumble by Rukowski as a as one of the big reasons the team lost. And I, I think I've said it about nine times already. You can't look at one thing, but I think the the one thing you can look at that fumble and say is, what would the offensive performance look like if they would have punched that in? You know, if you get True. if you get the field goal from Mason Crosby and then you get a touchdown on that drive, all of a sudden they've got ten points and they're they're kind of in route to what they had been doing recently at that point in time. Does it, does it cause them to win? No. I mean, obviously they gave up 44. So a 30 point performance isn't going to win. I mean, they could have still lost by two touchdowns and scored 30 points. Uh, but should have the offense done better? Yeah. And, and I don't completely know who to blame. You know, Rogers puts up a lot of yards. He, he doesn't have a great passing, you know, completion percentage, uh, no running game whatsoever again, but that's been something the team has dealt with for a while, and that's something they they got to figure out. But the Falcons were just able to – they never once thought that they were going to run the ball. That's why Rodgers was able to get some of those those longer runs. He leads the team. He almost has half of the total rushing yards for the team because the Falcons were playing 100% pass, even more so than Packers' uh, opponents generally do. So, uh, yeah, there's – there's, I use the word culpability again. There, there's culpability on the offense. You got to do better. If if you're a team that has struggled defensively and you've made this run to the postseason and you've made a run in the postseason based off your offense, not your defense, then your offense needs to keep doing what it's been doing and they did it yesterday. 
All right, we talked about a lot of negative here, so how about a little bit of positive? How surprised were you that Jordy Nelson not only played on Sunday, but played well with two broken ribs? Yeah, Jordy's tough. And, look, I, I've, been, I've been a Jordy Nelson guy for a long time because we, uh, I'm a K-State guy, so I, I, I covered him when he was at Kansas State, and uh, I loved what he did there, and, and I continue to love what he's doing here. And I, think, I think the character on this team from top to bottom is just absolutely spectacular. I mean, the, the, the talent on the roster was, the I think, the worst roster group in the postseason, at least this weekend and maybe last weekend as well. And they kept winning and they kept doing things. And uh, I, I think Jordy Nelson playing through those rib issues and playing all right. I mean, especially early on in the game, he had, he had, he had some catches. So that, that says a lot about Jordy Nelson. There's a reason he's a fan favorite uh, with the Packers. He cares. Uh, there was – there was people who called uh, my show last night who were trying to come up with conspiracy theories that the Packers lost the game on purpose, which is beyond ridiculous, Ryan. <laughs> and um, you, all you have to do is look to Jordy Nelson and him playing that game to, to quickly, very quickly quell those thoughts. Yes, absolutely. That, that they didn't lose it on purpose. Uh, Matt, before we let you go, I, I know it's only one day after the season ended, but when these things happen, they happen quickly. So I want to ask you, do you anticipate the Packers making any changes in either the coaching staff or the front office? Yeah, that's, that's the million-dollar question right there, Brian. And if it's up to the fans, Ted Thompson and Don Capers are gone, which I don't <laughs> think is exactly the right way to go. If you if you move on from Dom Capers, I think you move on from him because you don't believe in the three four anymore. It has nothing to do with the performance. There's no defensive coordinator could have done anything more with that group than what Dom Capers did. That was a talent issue. That was not a coaching issue. And I really, really, really wish that the vast majority of Packers fans would understand that Dom Capers is not the guy who's responsible for all the injuries and for just a, a depleted defense. And he did, for, for them to do what they did and for them to be able to come up with all the turnovers that they did during that run, uh, more credit should go to Don Capers than, than criticism. And on the front office side, I expect Ted Thompson to come back. I don't think Ted Thompson is going to lose his job. But, Brian, I find it, I find it very interesting that the Packers have a couple front office executives that we're going to talk to the 49ers, and all of a sudden, they don't. And I, I just have to wonder, you know, Ted Thompson's been there for a while now. Is, does, you know, were, were those guys told something, or was, or was one of those guys told something, that they're going to be, you know, they're eventually going to get the job with the Packers. They're going to be taking over uh, for, for Ted Thompson. And, and does that happen this offseason? Does it happen in future offseasons? I just... I think there's more going on when those guys, and I know the 49ers situation is a, is a mess. It's an absolute mess. And uh, there's a lot of speculation that uh, the head coach, probably Kyle Shanahan is going to have, you know, the final say over player personnel. So you don't want to be a GM in that situation, but it's just something, something smells a little peculiar when, when those guys are pulling out of the interview process. And I do have to wonder at what point in time, Maybe maybe one of those guys moves into Ted Thompson's position. Yeah, that's a good question to ask. Matt, thank you so much for your time this morning. Greatly appreciate it. You're doing a good job at 620 WTMJ. Good to hear you covering Wisconsin sports. We'd love to have you on again sometime. Hey, you bet, Brian, anytime. All right, take care. 
Matt Pauley, 620 WTMJ. Like I said, also SB Nation Radio, uh, one of their sports update anchors. Um, glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Well, Vince, I'll try to tell you what the hell's going on out there. The Green Bay Packers lost 44-21 to on Sunday in the NFC Championship game in Atlanta to the Falcons. And as we usually do, and for the final time this season, going through our post-game chips report, uh, two players in every category, your blue chips, red chips, and cow chips. Your blue chip players from this game, and, and, and you know, a few of these guys we've talked about already here uh, with Matt Pauley, so you'll get a little bit of overlap, but these are, this is my two cents on the game. Uh, your the, the top player, top billing here, wide receiver Jordy Nelson, you know, obviously Matt Pauley, you know, talked about him already, but really gutty performance. He caught six passes for 67 yards scoring one of the team's few touchdowns, and and you could just see Jordy Nelson out there wincing in pain and knew it took phenomenal courage to even be out there on the field. Um, He didn't play as much as he usually did, and, you know, once the Packers got down for good and, and you knew they wouldn't be climbing back in this game, he probably played even less than than he would have otherwise. So uh, you, you wonder if like his statistics could have been even better this game uh, because I mean you know six passes at sixty seven yards they were modest but I mean when the Packers were still battling you know when when before the Falcons had built up an insurmountable lead Jordy Nelson was the guy out there who was really kind of keeping the Packers offense in the game helping them move the ball down the field. And, you know, doing fine out there, um, you know, playing without without fear. I, I mean, I, I suppose maybe he had a little bit of fear. You could tell on at least one occasion I know where uh, he kind of went down on his own without being tackled. And, you know, he was just being cautious and, and understandably so. If I was Jordy Nelson, I would do the same thing. Why take a big shot? He had already caught the pass. He had already got the first down. So, you know, just just live to play another down, and that's what he was doing, and, and doing it well out there. Um, can't say enough about Jordy Nelson in this game. Great, great job from him. The other blue-chip performer from this game, this one on the defensive side of the football, one of the few players on defense that held their own on Sunday. And, and once again, sacks don't tell the whole story of how good he is, but, but Mike Daniels getting the other blue-chip. Uh, He had two quarterback hits and three tackles, each of which was categorized as a stop by Pro Football Focus, you know, which is basically short of a first down um, and, and, you know, by a significant margin, not letting them, you know, get making a tackle eight yards downfield or things like that. Uh, And really, Mike Daniels was the victim of bad luck. I can remember at least two occasions where he had beat his man off the line of scrimmage and had a Falcons player dead to rights, but another defender did the same thing. Like one time Nick Perry made a tackle for a loss, and another time Ha Ha Clinton Dix did. And if they didn't make the tackle, Daniels was going to. He was out there just just being a man amongst boys. And, and you know, really, uh, you, you could make the argument that he was the best Packers player on the field. He He wasn't the reason the Packers lost, that's for sure. 
uh, on Sunday. So kudos to Mike Daniels uh, keeping up a, a string of solid play pretty much ever since he's entered the league. You always get an honest effort from Mike Daniels. You can you can never take that away from him. It, you know, even in the Packers' losses, uh, he's the guy out there who's always playing hard uh, from whistle to whistle. All right, your red chip players, the good, maybe not great players from this game. One of them goes to Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, didn't have a great game. Uh, but he also wasn't part of the problem. In fact, his, his statistics would even look better if the Packers hadn't have dropped five passes on the day. As it was, Rodgers had 287 passing yards and three touchdowns, one interception. And really, you can't even blame him for the one interception that basically saved, so it, it basically served as a punt for the Packers. They were facing third and 21, and he heaved this long downfield pass, something like 55 yards downfield to Nelson and got picked off. It it probably ended better than a punt with no return, and and he finished with a 91.6 passer rating on on the day. But but factor in that Rodgers also led the team in rushing with 46 yards, and you've got a guy who was doing his best to win. And, And really, the Packers' offense was largely moving the football Considering the first half, they, they were plagued by the, the missed field goal by Mason Crosby and the fumble by Aaron Ripkowski, and they would have been in a whole lot more decent shape if that didn't happen. The, the Ripkowski fumble was, was so disappointing because it was, it was such a good run up until that fumble. He had just burst through the line. He had broke a tackle. These guys were hanging off of him. He gets the first down. He gets the Packers into the red zone. It, it was just a phenomenal play up until the point where he fumbled the ball, got it poked loose. Uh, I mean, it, that was just deflating right there. And the Packers were already facing a deficit at that time. And, and that was really, uh, you know, I, I mean, the momentum wasn't on their side to begin with. But I mean that that was where the point where you'd be like, well, the Packers are going to be in a long for a long day. Maybe, maybe that wasn't the dagger, but it it certainly made the job a whole lot tougher on the Packers at that point. I, I kind of am digressing here as uh, uh, we get away from the the chips report. But the other red chip again, the good maybe not great uh, from this game. The other red chip goes to safety, Haha Clinton Dix who I think played a solid game in all phases. His five tackles might seem modest, but he didn't miss any tackles. Uh, so he was out there making good stops, uh, good solid tackles. He, he got he got in the backfield for a tackle for a loss on a run blitz. He broke up two passes. I thought the one uh, in the first quarter when he separated the football from the receiver with a good clean hit was just great to see. Uh, that was a fantastic, fantastic play from the third-year safety, now making his first Pro Bowl appearance. And, and consider Clinton Dix once again played more snaps than anyone on the roster, playing all 73 snaps on defense and then 11 more on special teams. He was the team's Iron Man on Sunday um, and one of the seemingly one of the few players who, who didn't get injured uh, to end the game. So good job from him. Uh, finally, your your cow chips, the the guys who disappointed on Sunday. Uh, there's no other way to put it. It, it was a uh, one of them goes to Ladarius Gunter. 
Um, it was unfortunately a rough day for him. Uh, here's the statistics from Pro Football Focus. So on the day, Julio Jones had nine catches for 180 yards. Of those, Gunter was the guilty party on six catches for 144 yards and then both touchdowns that Jones scored. He was also, he meaning Gunter, he was also called for two penalties and missed a tackle. And it was definitely a tough draw for Gunter to match up with one of the best receivers in the game. But you do have to remember here, he helped limit Julio Jones to less than 30 yards in the first meeting this season. And then he also did a good job against Odell Beckham, one of the best receivers in the NFL, just two weeks ago. So it was a step backwards on Sunday. No doubt about it. Tough, tough matchup. But I mean, it's the NFC Championship game. I mean, he 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 didn't get the job done. He wasn't alone. He he just you know was looked at end up looking one of the worst out there, um, uh, of many players who looked pretty bad on Sunday. <clears throat> and speaking of that, the other cow chip goes to linebacker Joe Thomas, uh, who was exploited in this NFC Championship game. He too was put in a tough position when Jake Ryan went down, meaning. Uh, Joe Thomas had to play every single snap on defense, and that's not where he needs to be. Um, He needs to be a sub-package player. And and to his credit, he did lead the team with seven tackles, but too many of them, first of all, came downfield. And and unfortunately, he missed way too many tackles in both the run and the pass game. You know, when, when he couldn't even make an open field tackle on Matt Ryan, that that's not a good look. While Matt Ryan is a good passer, he's not known for his scrambling ability at all. And, and you you expect a linebacker to look more athletic, you know, you know, running the foot, just running wise when, you know, compared to Matt Ryan. But but Thomas struggled on that play and many more plays. I seriously considered center giving center Corey Lindsley a uh, cow chip from this game. Uh, he, he had a rough day. Um, and again, he, he wasn't the only one here, but I thought he had one of his worst games in a Packers uniform. Uh, he of course gave up the sack on the bull rush to Rashid Hageman. Um, I know there was at least one time when he failed to, uh, complete a reach block and, and then ended up, you know, the, the Falcons got a tackle for a loss on the play. Um, there seemed to be some miscommunication. I'm not sure if it was entirely on him, uh, but on the sack given up by Deion Jones, somebody didn't pick up somebody there. And, and maybe it's, it's partially Lindsley's fault for, for misidentifying. I don't know. I, 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 I'll admit some amount of ignorance there, but, and then on top of that, it, it seemed like, especially once the playoffs started, there were a lot of snaps kind of just floating back to Aaron Rodgers over these past about three weeks or so. I don't know what the deal was there. It's, it just seems like, I mean, there there weren't any that, you know, resulted in a fumble or anything like that. But come on, I mean, you're an NFL center. Get that snap back there quickly enough so Rodgers doesn't have to you know, worry about it floating back there, allowing the defenders an extra split second to get closer, things like that. Uh, so not really a very good job snapping the football. 
anyway, ultimately, uh, the the cow chips in which I only give two of them officially go to Gunter and Joe Thomas for this game, but Corey Lindsley was considered. Anyway, there's your chips report for this game. Last one of the year, um, perhaps a little bit wistfully, we we um, uh, say goodbye to that segment uh, and won't be talking about another one till the 2017 season starts. Um, but but just to go over other news bites from this game um, and, and things, you know, I wanted to get out of the way here on a basically a season-ending episode. I guess you could consider it. Um, injuries. Um, the good news is that everyone who was listed questionable for the game played in the game. Uh, you know, it, it seems like long, long time ago now that everybody was encouraged when, when this report came down the pike, that guys like Jordy Nelson, Devonte Adams, Geronimo Allison, Morgan Burnett, Quentin Rollins, all these guys were listed as questionable and they all played in this game. Uh, and good for them for, for gritting it out. And, and you wonder, had this been like a regular season game, would they have all been out there on the field? May the Packers aired on the side of caution a little bit more, but it was basically a, an all-hands-on-deck type type of situation out there. But then the bad news was how many injuries the Packers sustained this, in this game. <laughs> you know, even if the Packers had, had won, um, you wonder how many players would have been available for the Super Bowl because... You know, here's the list of guys who couldn't even finish Sunday's game. Uh, that included Kentrell Bryce, Micah Hyde, Lane Taylor, TJ Lang, Jake Ryan, and then a couple more guys who were taken out preventatively because they didn't want to sustain further injury. Uh, you know it was bad when the Packers had to actually finish the game. The the, the very last drive with Latroy Guyon playing right guard. Um, and actually did a fairly good job considering he's a defensive player, but it was only for five snaps. Uh, but the Packers' offensive line was was in shambles at that point. Um, and, and you really feel for a guy like T.J. Lang, who, you know, obviously he's disappointed just because it's the NFC Championship game and it's hurt, and and he's hurt, I'm, I mean. Uh, but on top of that, you got to look at the bigger picture and be like, whoa, man, he just got injured before the final game before free agency. If this happens to be anything significant, you know, that could impact his earnings with the next contract he signs, whether with the Packers or anywhere else. Um, you know, I, I think the word is, is that, you know, he had broke his foot earlier in the season, never got quite healed. I'm not sure if he broke it again or or what the exact word is. It's just to the exact same foot. So maybe that's the case. Maybe they still have to do more testing. I'm not sure. We'll probably find out more about that. But then you understand, like, you could see how emotional TJ Lang is and understand why he was so emotional out there on the field. You feel bad for a player like him who's uh, facing free agency here. And, and basically, folks, I know that there's going to be a lot to talk about here. People are going to want to talk about coaching changes. People are going to want to talk about front office changes. People are going to want to talk about what's going to happen in free agency. People are going to want to talk about what's going to happen in the NFL draft. I'm trying to keep this this episode here limited to what happened, what went wrong in the NFC Championship game because we had a whole off season 
to address these issues. And I promise we're going to get to them. Folks, this this is the only Packers podcast that goes three days a week. Uh, I promise we will get to those things uh, starting as soon as Wednesday's episode. Um, hopefully this is just a little bit of therapy for you uh, on the day after a tough loss here, and we'll get to those things. But but one final note, and and Matt Pauley kind of talked about this in passing, uh, but but just one final piece of news here from the Packers that uh, Packers front office executive Brian Gutekunst officially, uh, or reportedly, I should say, has taken himself out of the running for the 49ers general manager job, um, and meaning the pack he's still with the Green Bay Packers. And it's kind of weird because I, I thought, you know, when Elliot Wolf pulled out of the running, you know, it only made sense that Brian Gutekunst may take the 49ers job because not both of them can become the Packers general manager. <laughs> you know, maybe that says something about what's going on in San Francisco, but still, um, if you, there's, there's only 32 general manager jobs in the NFL. Those type of jobs aren't growing on trees. There, there's even fewer, there fewer of those jobs than there are, you know, quarterback jobs in the NFL. There's at least backup quarterback jobs where maybe the door gets open one time. There, there's no such thing as a backup GM, really. Um, so uh, good for the Green Bay Packers. They're keeping talent in the front office. Who exactly is going to become the next general manager of the Packers remains to be seen. Like I said, we'll address that in the upcoming episodes. The day ahead. All right. Um I don't think the Packers have set in stone when Mike McCarthy will hold his season-ending press conference, but just guessing on based on past history, I imagine it'll take place on Monday afternoon. Um, so you could probably get ready for that. Streaming live at Packers.com as it usually is. But on top of that, the team really wastes no time conducting exit interviews, and, and that's really what's happening behind the scenes today that nobody is going to get to see but really has a big impact on on the organization. Uh, the players and coaches have nothing to get ready for anymore, so they, they've got time to do this today, tomorrow. Mike McCarthy makes sure to meet with every player on the roster before they leave for the offseason and get their thoughts. And this is really where the coaching staff decides to make changes based on player input. They get, they get, you know, feedback from the players, you know, what went good, what went bad, what do we need to change next year? And then they implement those changes in the off season. If they need to make coaching changes, they do that. But on top of that, more system and scheme changes, (laughs) you know, the, the, by and large, uh, I don't think there's going to be wholesale change with the Green Bay Packers after a, uh, a you know an eight-game win streak that ended up in a run to the NFC Championship game. Uh, Mike McCarthy definitely quelled any speculation that his job may have been in jeopardy when the Packers were four and six, and you know has solidified his his status into possibly one of the NFL coach of the year candidates. Um, And so there's not going to be wholesale change with this team um, unless they were to decide to Dom Capers were to retire or something like that. That could mean wholesale change on the defensive side of the football, at least 
things aren't going to change drastically on the offensive side. But but tweaks here and there they can, and that's what they get out of these exit interviews. Is you know again what what went good, what went bad, what can we build off of. What do we need to switch with the offense? What should the personnel look like? All those kind of things, they get player feedback and, and take that into consideration. It may not be the deciding factor in every decision they make, uh, but it goes it, it factors into it. So uh, anyway, that happens pretty much today. They may be starting already. Um, as far as we know, like I said, these are the things that happen behind closed doors that we're not really privy to as fans uh it aren't like these things are televised or anything like that but that's what's going on at 1265 Lombardi Avenue today as far as the talk shows go you're going to have to check the local listings uh because I'm not even sure with the Packers season ending you know which which shows are still continuing on and which aren't today I I think I did see Clubhouse Live uh at clubhouselive.com would be having their show with Ty Montgomery on Monday uh, I'm not sure what all other shows are, so you'll like I said, you'll have to check your local listings for that one. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode, folks. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us here. Uh, like I said, hopefully this was a little bit of therapy on a Monday morning after a Packers tough loss uh, in which, if you're listening to this show, you, you no doubt wanted a different outcome, uh, and unfortunately didn't end the Packers way. Uh, we're going to be questioning a lot about this, this loss in the season in the episodes to come. I think Pat people want to know is, is the window closing on this team and what moves the Packers are going to make in the off season. We're going to get to it all, uh, starting as soon as Wednesday. Uh, in fact, it, what this upcoming Wednesday will be our season finale. Uh, the last, the last, uh, of Nathan Yankee's interviews, who's who's basically has a weekly engagement on the show during the season. It'll be the last time we hear from him for a while, so it'll uh, be good to talk to him one last time and get his statistical analysis on the Green Bay Packers uh, for the 2016 season as a whole. So looking forward to that on Wednesday. My call to action, today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar. Uh, If you don't know the story behind it already, I hope to be the prospective owner of a new tavern in Madison called Beer Rock. And, And what I'm trying to do is get word out by getting people to follow us on social media. So those of you on Facebook, and a lot of you did this uh, just, you know, uh, when I recently threw this out here just last week. Uh, If you could give us a follow on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Madison. B-I-E-R-O-C-K is how you spell B-Rock. B-Rock Madison. Uh, And we hope to see you all there someday. Uh, Like I said, this is a long-term goal. We're still months away from opening. But we're we're opening up the social media presence ahead of time. I think that's the proper thing to do as a prospective owner for a business. So uh, would love it if you could do that. Thanks so much, folks. Uh, Have a good Monday. I know it's a tough one. You'll get through it. And uh, it was a good season. Uh, Enjoy. I hope you enjoyed what the Packers did this year. It was fun to watch with the eight-game winning streak. A lot of fun. Uh, See you, folks. I leave you today with a song called uh, Texas Town by Honky Tonk Home Slice. 
on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go.